Eternal God, in your providence you made all of the ages. Make ready our hearts for the brightness of your glory. Amen. years, the Apostles' Creed has been guiding us, preparing us, and forming us in a life of discipleship. So please join me now in reciting this historic creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, 
He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ who models love, who is love, preparing for his arrival and loving in the meantime. May the visitation of your Holy Spirit, O God, make us ready for the coming of Jesus, our hope, peace, and love. O come, O come, Emmanuel.
It's good to see you all this morning, and I'm delighted to welcome you to worship on this fourth Sunday of Advent. It's an honor and a privilege to stand up here and um, lead this morning alongside Reverend Isaac Dusenberry and Reverend Claude Penry. I'm Pastor J.T. Brown, and we're grateful for your presence with us, for your willingness to come and worship during this busy season, and we hope that worship is pleasing and fulfilling for you this morning. This time I invite you to pray with me and we'll use the collect in your order of worship to do so. Lord of heaven and earth, we give thanks for the gift of love. We confess that we often misdirect our love towards vanity. We love our appearances, our material collections, and our false autonomy. As love pours out of us in the wrong direction, we often overlook the pearl of great price. As we wait for the coming of your kingdom, we pray that you would redirect our love towards that which is eternal. We give thanks for the purity of Christ's love for us. Amen. Let us pray. <coughs> Almighty God, we believe the day is drawing near and we wait patiently for the wholeness that comes with the coming of your kingdom, for the purity of your will, for the, per for the perfection you have promised us. We give thanks that you have given us hope and joy and peace and shown us love as we wait for Jesus Christ, 
But as the days tick by and the season of busyness and preparation continues, we can feel the tension in the air. So we pray. We pray for those who are suffering. We pray for those who are anxious, for those who are uncertain or frightened, for those who are grieving. We pray to you because we trust that you will be the difference for them. We pray to you because we believe you would use us in your work of healing this world. Help us to be brave as we seek to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Help us to be brave as we seek to grow in discipleship, turning from that which is wicked to that which is perfect. We trust you, Lord, and we pray that this Christmas would be a season filled with joy and hope and peace and love, just like you have promised us and just like you have provided for us so many times before. We give thanks for your gift of Jesus Christ, who walked among us, who taught us, who said beautiful words, and who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Notice we're singing in the bleak midwinter now but the actual hymn number is 221. So if you turn to page 204, you're not gonna have the right words. <laughs> but now that you know, I look forward to hearing your beautiful voices. 221.
It is a great joy to have an opportunity one last time in this pulpit. It's a bittersweet thing. Wanda and I have enjoyed our time here, but we also look forward to going to the mountains of North Carolina. People are saying where? We don't know. We have three realtors looking. Uh, I like to say that we're homeless, um, but my sister is providing a place at Lake Jeluska for us. But when I came to here and I realized there were two lectors, I said, why are there two lectors today with me? And I was told it was to bring me under control. <laughs> and that's not going to happen. <laughs> I have known JT for some time. Ever since he's been here, he and I have been playing tennis. And the first time I played him, I walked away thinking, I should let Wanda play him. She doesn't even know how to play. <laughs> but he has improved so well that the last time we played, which was just about a week ago, uh, he did a, a beating on me. Uh, he's 27 today. I've been 27 43 times. But it is a great joy to get to know both of these young men. And it's also, I'd like to say, I, I'm happy to see Brad and Christine. They're our neighbors across the street. As soon as we sold our house, they sold theirs. Uh, they're staying local and we're going far away. But we're happy to have you here. Raise your hand, at least, on the back row. I told them I wanted sinners here. <laughs> and there are a lot of us. Listen now to the scriptures. It comes to us from Luke, the first chapter, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you shall give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary said, since I am a virgin? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born, we will call the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with, him, with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, in these moments as we've gathered and we listen to the words that 
brought about salvation to all of us. We ask that you be with our mind and our heart and our spirit, that you will overshadow us, that we too, in some way, may give birth to you in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a seminary that required that the students climb a big pulpit area, reach their hand into a bowl, pull out scripture, and on a moment's notice, be able to preach a three-point sermon. One young man climbed that pulpit, reached in the bowl, and he pulled out about Zacchaeus. He thought about it for a minute. He said, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and so am I. Zacchaeus was up a tree, and so am I. And Zacchaeus came down out of the tree, and so am I. I'm going to uh, speak to you on three points, but I'm sharing with you mainly stories of ministries, of missions and miracles that happened during Christmas during my time as a minister. And the first one is, are we really prepared for the delivery? Sometimes the delivery of God's plan for our life takes a while. I had a grandfather who was a Baptist preacher, and my father a Methodist preacher, and I a Methodist. My grandfather died at the, at, in 1938 when my dad was 10 years old. I share that with you because I want you to remember that as I share this story. When you're appointed to the church in Murphy, North Carolina, how many of you know where Murphy is? Okay, very few. If you look at the western part of North Carolina, Murphy is right close, uh, right where the point comes in, and there's Georgia and Tennessee. And when you're in Murphy, you're, you're two hours from Atlanta, two hours from uh, uh, Asheville, two hours from Chattanooga, you're two hours from everywhere. When they appoint you there in my conference, they kind of forget about you because it's just a long ways there. Uh, Murphy is not exactly the last town. There is Hanging Dog, and then there's Unaka, and then there's Tennessee. I told Wanda when we were uh, thinking about moving, I said, let's, let's get a place in Hanging Dog, and she did not want that on her address. <laughs> so we're not going there. But when you're appointed to that church, you are the kicking coach and chaplain of the football team, whether you know anything about football at all. When I was serving that church in the 1990s, I had the opportunity to be on the team uh, several very successful years. In 1991, we won the state championship. We had the opportunity to play, and of all times and places, we had to play on the field at Chapel Hill. As a graduate of Duke, that was an uncomfortable place for me to stand. <laughs> After winning that, as we were preparing to go to that, our church had just purchased a 66-passenger bus. And I decided I was going to take that bus, and we loaded it up with people from the church, half the choir, the choir director, and people from the community. We played that championship at Chapel Hill, which is 335 miles away from Murphy. We won it. We left uh, for Murphy at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon on that 
Saturday. We needed to get home because the next day was the cantata. And it was very important that we get there. We're going through Winston-Salem, and the bus lost all the power that it had. Some people were following us from Murphy, and they were in cars behind us, and we pulled the bus over, and like men often do, we lifted up the hood, and all four of us looked in and could not find what the problem was. We called a tow truck, and they, they uh, towed us back to a service station. We found out there that it was the alternator. He couldn't help us. He said there is a, a, a person, a mechanic at exit 140 in Mooresville who thinks he can help you with your bus. So they charged up the battery and we took off for exit 140. When we got there, I discovered I know where Elvis Presley lives. He's a mechanic in Mooresville as he drove up looking just like that. He said, there's a field of buses out there, and we'll go out there and, and find that alternator for you. Well, it's getting close to 11 o'clock. The cantata's the next day. It's six hours more before we can even get to Murphy. We went to that field and could not find an alternator. So as we're, he's driving me back to the service station, he said, there's a Baptist church across the street. He'll let you borrow that, his bus. I'm thinking, I'm a Methodist. This is a Baptist I'm not sure that'll work. He said his name is Irvin Angel. This is December the 16th, and I'm given an angel named Irvin. I called Irvin. It's around 11.30, and I said to him, told him my dilemma, and Irvin asked some questions of me. It was kind of strange. He said, I'm going to let you borrow the bus. I met him at the church at 12 o'clock, somewhere thereabout. He said, do you want me to let you know why I'm letting you borrow this bus? He said, I'm letting you borrow this bus because your grandfather baptized me in the Baptist church. Sixty-three years later, my grandfather was able to help me get that bus, even though he died in 1938. It's amazing to me that in the midst of dilemmas, that God still has a plan laid out for us. Oh, we made it back to Murphy at 6 the next morning, and we did not have the cantata. It was postponed to another time. Nothing is impossible with God. Sometimes we miss the delivery of the Christ child because we're looking in the wrong way. Sometimes we show up when we least expect it, and the child is there, but we're not seeing it. While serving that same church in Murphy, I looked real close, worked real closely with the Ministerial Association. And we worked very well in reaching out to the community. One of the things we did together in outreach and the program is we reached out to the homeless. And like I said, in Murphy, when you're in Murphy, you're a long ways from anywhere. And if you're homeless, you have nowhere. So we decided to to make a homeless shelter. And the Catholic Church had the money and they lent us the money to buy a house and the community came together and we had a, a house with uh, two apartments and then single uh, rooms down below. But we didn't have enough money to uh, have a house manager, so we ministers did it ourselves. We each did a rotation basis. 
Well, the only thing about on Christmas Eve is that all the other churches didn't have a Christmas Eve service, but we had one. So people from all over the community would come to that Christmas Eve service, and it, church would be packed. Well, on one Christmas Eve, I was getting ready to go to the church, and I got a call from the sheriff's department that a woman needed a place in the shelter. I did not want to go. That was not what was important in my life. What was more important is that I had a performance to do in the church, and that was more important. And where were the other ministers? They weren't having a worship service. Why couldn't he call one of them? I reluctantly went to the homeless shelter. When I got there and the sheriff drove up, a woman got out and handed me a baby. I took that child. I took it up to the, uh, one of the apartments where we had a crib. And I put the child in the crib. And the child was laughing. And a thought came to me, you have nothing in this world. You're in a homeless shelter. It was like the Holy Spirit came over me and said, there's the Christ child. As homeless as Jesus was, that child had nothing. I realized as in the colic that we had, I was misguided in what was important. I was wrong to feel that way. And when I went back to church, what a worship service we had because I talked about the Christ child and I said, if you want to know where the Christ child is, he's in the homeless shelter in our town. And you better believe that child had a lot of Christmas from that congregation. We lose sight when our attitude is in the wrong direction. But we only serve our Lord when we serve the least, the last, and the lost. Because that's where we will find him. Sometimes we miss the arrival because we don't trust the delivery. We don't trust what God has in store for us. I started using a real infant on Christmas Eve at that point. Now, I'm always excited about what can happen and where I shall get a child. A member I served in one church whose name was Carol came to me one day and she said she was in great depression because her deaf daughter was unmarried and pregnant. It was the worst thing in her life that she could ever imagine. But she did everything she could during her daughter's pregnancy and during the birth for that girl. It was that year I decided that I needed my Christ child and I went to Carolyn and said, can I, can I borrow your granddaughter as my Christ child? She was delighted with it. She went so far as letting me borrow the daughter, but she made the swaddling clothes for the manger. Wanda and I, over the years, checked on Carolyn because they were very close, and we were very close to her because she also directed and coordinated our wedding reception. About 13 years after the birth of her grandchild, we received a message that Carolyn had cancer. We made a trip to her home to visit her one afternoon, and we got to there. Carolyn was there, and beside her bed was her 13-year-old granddaughter singing hymns to her while she died. 
what we sometimes see as a terrible problem can also be a remarkable miracle. For many years, I developed Christmas Eve as the most exciting time for me because I always wanted a Christ child to hold. I would walk into the church with the child, and I would hold the child, and I would, I'm pretty good with children, and, and I'm able to put that child to sleep and lay the baby in the manger. And when anybody comes, they come to the manger to receive communion. As it gets closer to Christmas, I start looking for pregnant women. I also encourage my couples around February to work on being able to provide a Christ child. I've even gone to hospitals and seen if I could borrow a baby. I went to Harris Teeter and I saw a pregnant woman in line and I asked her when she was going to be delivering. And she told me and I said, can I use your baby on Christmas Eve? And I would have been able to if she wasn't going to be with her family. I could have said I got a child at Harris Teeter grocery store. I went to the highway patrol office there in that community and a gentleman had a, a baby and he said I could borrow the baby and I did, but that child had gassed the whole service. It never made it to the manger. I, as it approached Christmas, one particular Christmas, I didn't find a child. And it was amazing that uh, as I went through that, I decided I had to write a message on there's no baby in the manger. On Christmas Eve, Wanda and Dustin and I were at the back of the church and we were giving out bulletins. It was getting close to the time for the service and, and uh, a young couple came in and we handed the bulletins and I walked down the aisle and it was like the Holy Spirit came over me and said, you asked, but you didn't expect. I turned around and that last couple came in, had a baby in their arms. I went up to them and I said, can I borrow your baby? I didn't know who they were, but they just handed me the baby. I walked down the aisles and people in the congregation started saying, where did you get that baby? I got to the pulpit and I said, I don't know if this is a boy or girl. I don't even know their parents. They're strangers here. The child would not let me hold him as I normally used to. I had to hold him and he wanted to look out to the congregation. He was just as happy as he could be. And I realized then that I had to change my sermon. So I walked down to the congregation and I said, we ask God, but we don't really trust his plan. We don't really trust that he's going to provide. And we go on. And yet there he is providing when communion came, the, the child would not go to sleep, so I held him there, I broke the bread, and he put his hand on that bread. And as, he came, as everybody came down, the child would smile at everybody, but when the father came down, you could hear him laugh out loud when he looked into his father's face. And the father leaned over and said, his name is Joseph. After the service, I realized that mom and dad, just like Mary and Joseph, were not married. And a year and a half later, I was able, with the last thing I did at that church, one afternoon, perform their wedding, and my baby Jesus walked down the aisle. 
after the Christmas service was over, as always was my custom, I would call my mother. And I'd tell her about the service. And she heard about that service, and she said to me, don't you take any credit for that. That's God doing this. It has nothing to do with you. I said, Mother, I know. I know. May God give us eyes and ears and a heart to expect miracles because nothing is impossible with God. Be prepared for the delivery this year. Trust that God has a plan for you and it may take a long time for it to unfold. Watch and expect that God will reveal a miracle to you if we have the eyes and the ears and the heart to see. For nothing is impossible with God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the miracles that you show to us each day. There are miracles happening today. Help us to experience them, to proclaim them, to live in them. That you are a God that can do all things. For nothing is impossible with you. Amen. Thank you for those faithful words, Clyde. The theme of the day, of course, is preparing for arrival, preparing for delivery. We are anticipating uh, the divine inbreaking in our midst, the word of God becoming flesh to dwell among us, the arrival, the second coming even, of Jesus Christ. And in thinking about that, it's clear that as the church and as Christians, we have a lot to do to prepare for this gift. And that had me thinking about how at this church, at this church family, there are so many workers moving behind the scenes that we don't know about. Volunteers, guys like Chip Angel in the sound booth, our maintenance team. On any given day, on any given week, there are people working behind the scenes to make worship happen, to make this church feel like church and be the church. And so I just want to celebrate today the gift of their presence, the, how your gifts to the church enable these ministries to happen. And I was even, of course, thinking about the pastoral cabinet and the gift they offer this church. Now, of course, a lot of what they do is seen, right? We, we see them on Sundays helping to preach or lead worship. But they do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, too. They make visits. They prepare Bible studies and Sunday school lessons, right? There's a lot that they do behind the scenes, and we're so grateful for how they share their gifts with the church. And of course, to echo Jim, again, we are so grateful for Clyde's, I guess, 10 years of service to this church, 10 years of being present on our pastoral cabinet, and that's amazing to think about. I have a funny Clyde story I'll share with you. My very first time preaching at this church you know i was as nervous as you could possibly be and i arrive here i'm i'm to preach in the sanctuary and and i'm walking across the parking lot studying my bulletin rehearsing my lines and all of a sudden i hear a voice cry out that says you got to be pretty nervous right now i imagine <laughs> and i turn around and see clyde grinning from ear to ear i have no idea who he is and I, you would expect him to say something encouraging after that, but I don't think you did. I think you just kind of <laughs> said, yeah, you look pretty nervous right now, and I don't blame you. So thanks for that, Clyde. <laughs> we're grateful for Clyde, and we're grateful for you, and thank you for the ways that you serve and empower this church. At this time, you are, you are invited to continue the worship of God through the giving of your tithes and offerings. And for our friends online, this is a reminder that you can give online as well using our website or Realm. 
At this time, I would invite our ushers to please come forward. Thank you.
thanksgiving found in your order of worship. Almighty and merciful God, it is only by your gift that your faithful people offer you true and laudable service. Thank you for the blessings you have bestowed upon us and for sustaining us day by day. Grant that me run without stumbling to obtain your heavenly promises through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Use your eyes, use your ears, use your heart, and look for a miracle that God has in store for you. He's planned it, you find it. Go now and serve in the name of God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 